0: The law enforcement family, this is your show. Here we talk about all things Leo family life the good, the bad, the funny, and the sad, and everything in between. Crime is exploding across America. Defunding the police is causing even more chaos and increased crime in communities we live, work, and raise our families. Defunding the police ironically requires more police officers to work overtime, which costs taxpayers more money and leads to decreased officer morale, increased burnout, and unfortunately, more mistakes. Less than lethal options will simply result in more fatal police shootings. We need your support to refund the police. Fight back against defunding the police. Politicians want to slash police. Tell them no. Do your part to support police. Show you care. Your donations will go towards development of a national media advertising and blitz to rally americans who are sick and tired of the attacks on law enforcement and focus on the negative impact the defund the police movement is having on our country the establishment of a strike team of researchers and reporters to highlight the devastating impact of defunding the police and we will work within our communities to highlight both positive stories of law enforcement so i'm throwing them the thank you party to show them i still appreciate the
1: to my heroes i want to say don't stop please don't give up many do not care or appreciate the sacrifices that you make every day that i do
0: and bring you the stories that are ignored by the mainstream media donate today and together let's refund the police Welcome back for another episode of Blue Family Unity. You know who I am. At least I hope you do. I'm Elsa Kurt, uh, the host of this show. So thanks for joining me. I appreciate you guys tuning in and checking out uh, whatever the heck I'm talking about this week. And uh, But this week, listen, this week is is really cool. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had the great honor of talking to a terrific couple, uh, Stephen and Christina. Christina. And the episode was about the stigma of mental health issues in law enforcement. And uh, his goal is to dispel a lot of these uh, misconceptions and myths and old uh, trains of thought that was predominant in law enforcement when it came to mental health and discussing mental health. And um, so as a follow-up to that, I am very fortunate to have a really terrific guy on the show today. His name's James Ruscatty. He's a clinical social worker who works specifically with law enforcement and firefighter families. So um, this was such a big deal to talk to him and to hear some of the things that he said, because there's a lot of things that I certainly wasn't aware of that he brought to light. A lot of resources, Um a lot of opportunities, and he dispels a lot of the myths that we have all come to believe when it comes to seeking help as a law enforcement officer. So this truly is a must-listen or must-watch show, whatever the case is, if you're listening uh, on the podcast or watching on uh, Right America Media or YouTube or wherever you find me. Um, this is when you're really going to want to watch and save and, uh, take down some, some information from this guy because, uh, he's the real deal and he really loves what he does. And, uh, I couldn't have been more happy to have him on the show. So, uh, take a listen. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show. Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over a hundred thousand podcasters already using buzzsprout to get their message out to the world let's create something great together following the link in the show's notes let's buzzsprout know that i sent you and you get a 20 dollars amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and It helps support our show. So join Buzzsprout today and let's get your podcast launched. This is my my new friend, James Riscotti. Did I pronounce your last name right? You did. Excellent. Excellent. And you are a behavioral health consultant, right?
1: Well, that's the name of my company. I'm a partner with three other psychologists and the company is Behavioral Health Consultants. By training, I'm a clinical social worker.
0: Thank you. Okay, excellent. And uh, you, uh, I want to say that you specialize. I don't know if that's fair to say that you specialize, but it is definitely a, a, a big field for you. But you specialize in helping law enforcement and uh, fire department employees and families through behavioral health issues. That Correct. fair assessment? <laughs> I think that's an
1: excellent assessment. I think that's true. That's one of the niches. The specialties my company has is working with first responders, police, fire, and EMTs. Yes,
0: that's correct. Nice. So specifically, what exactly do you do? Do you go into departments? Do they come to you? Are you, how does that exactly work?
1: Good. Okay. So there's two parts. So, an employee assistance program is when organizations, companies, towns, and municipalities provide counseling services, typically not just for the employees, but immediate family members. So, an EAPs began roughly 60, 65 years ago, treating alcohol in the workplace because it was a problem. Over the years, EAPs have evolved to become what's called more broad, broad brush EAPs. Mm-hmm. We deal with any issues not just mental health and substance abuse, stress, family issues. Um, so that's one aspect of the EAP. Any So your husband's department, right? Mm-hmm. They provide an employee assistance program for everyone in the police department, but mm-hmm. those counseling services are also available for the families, the husbands, the wives, the partners, the children still on the health benefit plan. Uh, the problem is, a lot of uh, uh, family members of law enforcement may not realize that their husband-wife partners department provides counseling services.
0: So, and I can E-A- I can attest to that. I can attest to that right? in our email exchange when you told me that I I had no idea. So, and I would imagine I would like to think that I'm not the only one out there that didn't know this information. So, this is truly such valuable uh, information for families to know that help is a Available to them as well so that's blew me away correct
1: correct so counseling again uh, you know for any sort of issue for the employee and immediate family members that's one aspect of the eap but the other aspect of the eap is training right in any contract that we have there's a certain number of training hours right and those can be used for i happen to be and my partner happens to be a post certified instructor So the topics that we're certified in are depression and suicide, substance abuse, stress management, and supervisor-subordinate relationships. Those are the four post-certified courses that if a department brought us in, they're not paying for that. It's included in the fee we're charging for the EAP. So you have the clinical services through the EAP. You have training services through the EAP. But the other services we provide are peer support training and development, Hmm. right? And we do that usually once a year. We invite all our departments to send volunteers. It's a day of training. We are not billing the department for that training. It's included in our EAP contract. Um, The fact of the matter is we now work with 57 police departments in the state of Connecticut, and I believe there's only 102 or 106 police departments. So we have more than half of them. Out of that number, we have 42 police peer support teams that we trained and developed. Now, in all fairness, two of those, Manchester Police Department and Stanford, they already had a police peer support before we ever were contracted with them To provide eap so the 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 other thing that we have do that we also include is response to critical incidents Mm -hmm. so you know whether it was um the may 2nd swat regional swat Mm -hmm. explosion two years ago we responded Mm -hmm. to that um we responded to um Any sort of major critical incident, any of the departments we work with has the ability to call us and we'll have a discussion. Do we come to the department right now? Do we go to the scene? Do we do something tomorrow morning? There's no right or wrong answer to that. But the ability to respond to major critical incidents is extremely important because the clinical research shows stress builds up over time, right? It's not just this call. It's this call on top of the call I had six months ago, on top of my family stressors, my financial worries, whatever it is. And that's been a systemic change, a good change, that more agencies are calling us. Because 10, 12 years ago, they weren't as receptive to bringing in a culturally competent mental health professional to work with the police officers. Now, because this... Because your program is the Blue Family Unity, the thing that we don't do adequately in my mind is reach out to families. Mm -hmm. And that's why when your husband talked to me about this program and the nature of this program, I jumped at the opportunity because we can't reach out to families. Right. So as as an example, if something happened in your husband's department, uh, terrible acts, doesn't matter what it is, it's going to impact the spouses, the family members. Right. I couldn't reach out to you if I don't know you. Very interesting.
0: That's interesting. Right? So the only way that you could uh, be of assistance to the families is if they have to reach out to you, basically, right?
1: Correct. Now, what we also do, though, um, I'm, you'll see over the next few minutes, I'm a pretty straight shooter. I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. I'm not always right. That's for sure. That's um, OK. What now, now what, what we now start to do, both mm-hmm. in our trainings, employer orientations or re, or critical incident response, is to remind the officers that your job is not just about you. Right it does impact the family. Now obviously I'm preaching to the choir. That's why you started this program. <laughs> yes.
0: Absolutely. Reckon- yeah, that is so true. Um th- this is this is such a passion project for me. I think it's so important to have strong, healthy home lives for these officers, and of course for ourselves. But you know, of course, we're talking about the job specifically of being a law enforcement officer, and as as you well know, and I well know, the stresses of the job, the uh, you know the things that they may encounter, the traumas that they encounter, which is quadruple, if not more, what the average person sees. It's it's the contrast is insane. So you know, my thinking and, and lots of people like me are thinking is is that if they have this home as a haven you know if home is the haven for you for the whole family uh, they can go out and do their jobs in a healthy Mm-hmm. minded way. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's why I jumped at this too. As soon as my husband told me that he talked to you and that he offered us, I couldn't get to my my email fast enough to to send you a message to get you on here. Cause this is huge to me. And I, I think the the benefit is just uh, limitless for, yeah. for families and for law enforcement.
1: Yes. Yes. The, the issue is really getting the message out. Right. So, so- Um, The other thing you should know about EAPs is that the majority of them are prepaid. So what do I mean by that?
0: Crime is exploding across America. Defunding the police is causing even more chaos and increased crime in communities we live, work, and raise our families. Defunding the police, ironically, requires more police officers to work overtime, which costs taxpayers more money and leads to decreased officer morale, increased burnout, and unfortunately, more mistakes. Less than lethal options will simply result in more fatal police shootings. We need your support to refund the police. Fight back against defunding the police. Politicians want to slash police. Tell them no. Do your part to support police. Show you care. Your donations will go towards development of a national media advertising blitz to rally Americans who are sick and tired of the attacks on law enforcement and focus on the negative impact the defund the police movement is having on our country. The establishment of a strike team of researchers and reporters to highlight the devastating impact of defunding the police entities. We will work within our communities to highlight both positive stories of law enforcement. So I'm throwing them the thank you party to show them I still appreciate them. To my heroes,
1: I want to say don't stop, please don't give up. Many do not care or appreciate the sacrifices that you make every day, but I do.
0: And bring you the stories that are ignored by the mainstream media. Donate today and together let's refund the police.
1: The larger municipalities we work with, uh, Bridgeport, New Haven, New London, uh, Greenwich, they pay us quarterly, mm-hmm. right? And and the EAP services are for all the town municipal employees. We get right. paid quarterly whether anyone uses it or not. That, that's a wonderful business model, right? Yes. You're right. providing a service, no one uses it, you still get paid. Right. Right. Like, Like you, I'm fairly passionate about this work for all clients, not just first responders, more so for first responders, because in the last 18 years, Mm -hmm. I personally responded to nine police suicides and four firefighter suicides. Mm -hmm. And those events are devastating. For any employer group, well known for first responders, because of the, the the family cohesiveness and stuff like that.
0: Yes, absolutely. Have you seen in this time, and I, and I, you probably have. I hope that you have. Have you seen a, a dramatic or at least some change in the mindset, the mentality about mental health, or the the really the stigma of mental health problems in particularly law enforcement?
1: Without question.
0: It's improving that they are more receptive to getting help than they were, say, even five, ten years ago. Or is there still a lot of resistance to seeking and accepting help?
1: Right. So both of that statement is true. Right. Mm-hmm. There's been a significant change. There are still obstacles to getting help. The, the fear that you know I'm less of a cop if I talk to someone. The fear that it's going to jam me up on my job. Uh, the, the 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 fear of. What are other people gonna think about me if I acknowledge I'm talking to a mental health professional? So we still have more work to do, but there's no question, Elsa, that we've had a paradigmatic shift over the last seven, eight years. Let me give you an example of that. There was a relatively small police department, 40, 45 officers, where there's horrific domestic uh, murder um, about two years ago. That was followed. within six, seven months later, of an officer-involved shooting fatality. Now, I got called for both of them. And in talking with the chief, before I met with the officers who fired their weapon, he said to me, he goes, Jim, we would not have seen this five years ago. Meaning calling someone to come to right. meet with their officers. Now again, right. and those two events preceded the pandemic, preceded mm-hmm. COVID, right? And to your point about stress, law enforcement, has always been a stressful profession, always. And right. it doesn't matter if it's a relatively small department like where your husband works or a big town mm-hmm. in municipality. That's been yep. exacerbated tremendously over the last 18 months because of COVID, right. the social unrest, the defund mm-hmm. the police and all okay. the other crap. So, but yes, more people are inclined to use these services. We still have some resistances. You still get mm-hmm. those... Uh, officers who um, are concerned that their career is going to be jammed up. And when I do any sort of training for law enforcement, or even if it's an employee orientation meeting, what I always say to them is using mental health services is not going to jam you up on your career, not taking care of my demon, whatever Mm -hmm. that demons are, that's, what's going to jam me up on my career, whether it's gambling uh, drinking, philandering, whatever it is, those are the issues that are going to jam people up. But using okay. the EAP is not.
0: Well, you just answered my question because I think that is probably, you know, every officer who is feeling that they might want to seek help or do want to seek help, of course, the, the question is always, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose the respect of my, my peers? And that, I think that is the, that truly is their biggest deterrent, right? That, yeah. that, that fear of repercussions of that happening. So, so if I'm understanding right, the, there really isn't, i mean, obviously there would have to be something pretty dramatic and catastrophic and, you know, th- life threatening or threatening to the lives of others with, with a officer who would come to you. But in the general sense of the word, it does. it's not going to make them lose their job if they seek help, basically, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Exactly, exactly correct. Exactly correct. And that's part of the education that we need to
0: mm-hmm.
1: do. Uh, both Absolutely. as an a um, the departments need to do that. And, and I have to say, the other thing we've, that's been tr- of tremendous value and help in changing the uh, stigma and the fear issue is the development of police peer support because this is what I say to people. I don't care what the call is. And, and, and again, I'm preaching to the choir. You know what your husband and his colleagues see on a day-to-day basis. Um, what I always say is you've got to talk to someone. And I'm not necessarily saying mental health, mm-hmm. your your colleagues, your family. Most first responders, both cops and firefighters, in my experience, do not come home and share with their loved one the crap that they've seen in that particular part, right? By design. Yeah, I think that's very true. Mm -hmm. By design. And what I would say to cops or firefighters is you don't need to go and share the intimate details of that gruesome scene, but just Mm -hmm. say to your, well, you know what? I had a really fucked up day. Oops, excuse me. That's Um, okay. Okay.
0: I swear like a truck driver, it's all good. This is a podcast, not cable (laughs) TV. We're good. (laughs) Okay. Um, And
1: what I'll say to them, you have to talk to someone. Right. You can only compartmentalize things for so long. Um, if When I respond to a major critical incident for first responders, at the end of that, here's what I generally say to people. I know your culture enough to know. Many of you are going to go out. After your tour, your shift ends, you're going to have a few drinks. I am not going to tell you not to drink with your buddies. What I am going to tell you is don't get shit-faced. Right. Don't drink more than you normally do. It is mm-hmm. not going to help you process that event. Right. at all so right. peer support the value of peer support is who see, i I, I could understand why a cop may not want to talk to me I have two strikes mm-hmm. against me one I'm a mental health professional and two <laughs> right. I'm not a cop right right and I get that I really sure. do but you have to talk to someone mm-hmm. we we created our first peer team was in New Haven our first police department was 18 years ago Mm -hmm. And we created Peer Team a year later. And the reason we created Peer Support was it doesn't matter the town and municipality. Mm -hmm. The two departments least likely to use EAP services, as you would guess, are police Mm -hmm. and fire departments. And yet, when you look at the epidemiology of first responders, higher rates of divorce, Mm -hmm. higher rates of stress. Uh, both acute stress and PTSD, higher rates of depression and suicide, higher rates of substance abuse. So 17 years ago, I'm scratching my head. How can this be? How can these two departments do so much for our community, not make use of these services? So we created our first peer support team about 17 years ago for New Haven. And as I said, we've replicated that. We now have about 42 police teams that we've trained and developed because that can also be very helpful. In fact, What we typically do, depending upon the nature of the critical incident, is invite other police teams to join us, right? So New Haven Fire Department back in May, June had two losses of beloved members of the departments. I contacted a couple of my fire department peer support teams to join me. Right. So you were going to the engine houses. I have a firefighter for Stratford who's part of the peer team, a firefighter for East Haven who joined us. Waterbury sent a whole bunch of guys. So let those firefighters talk with them.
0: Say a a police department has a critical incident. They're in need of some peer support. They just call you guys up and say, hey, this is what we need. And and you set it up. Basically, that's how that's how it works. Yeah. And is that through the chief or or could an officer from any department call and say, this is what I'm needing right now? Is that
1: good? Great. So, so it typically comes from my contact in, in the police department. Right. Okay. Um, you know, for example, the tragic situation that would happen with the New Haven officers who were out in Las Vegas. I got called that morning at quarter to eight by the chief. Um, I have such a strong relationship with New Haven because everything began in New Haven. Um, Mm -hmm. And at that point, met with her and we planned what we were going to be doing over the next few days and weeks. The call to get us in action, so to speak, literally can come from anyone. Okay. So so, and and here's the other thing I preach, especially to command staff about Mm -hmm. critical incidents. Um, If you're not certain the event warrants a critical incident response, call us anyways. Mm. Let's at least have a discussion. Right. Right. But literally anyone can call us. But almost always it sometimes comes, believe it or not, from the union president. Okay. It will come from peer support guys who may be on the scene before mm-hmm. the official call comes from command. So we have a lot of access points to, to to get critical incident response engaged.
0: How do uh how do police officers or firefighters uh become peer support um, leaders, helpers? I don't know Sure, that's the
1: right word. Sure. So, so what we recommend is when we do um, a training, we send an email out to, again, typically the chief or his mm-hmm. or her designee. We're doing this on this particular date. These are the hours. This is the agenda. And what we recommend is that the department does some sort of due diligence, right? Mm-hmm. Because let's say I'm a police officer in your husband's department and I'm actively drinking I'm a huge gossip, right? I am not a good candidate for police peer support, right? Right. But let's say I'm an officer. I've gone through a battle of uh, difficulty with alcohol. Maybe I've been divorced once, maybe twice, Mm -hmm. but I'm on the road to recover, right? I would be a good candidate for police peer support because the nature of the job is it can can impact marriages. It does Mm -hmm. impact the abuse of uh alcohol and sometimes drugs but there's nothing more powerful for a police officer who's gone that gone through that to say Mm -hmm. to a brother officer hey i had a patch in my life where i was really fucked up i called someone it was helpful it normalizes Mm -hmm. especially if those officers are looking up to that cop, right? right? And he, she can admit, yeah, there was a time I was messed up from the job. Mm-hmm. I talked to someone, it's helpful. It normalizes the experience. Right. The other thing we do related to peer support is officer-invalve shootings, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know this, uh, you know, less than two, 3% of officers fire their weapon in the line of duty, right? right. I'm not talking about qualifying on the range, right? right. So that's highly emotional adrenaline packed event that happens, Yes. Who better to help a cop navigate that, especially if they shot and killed someone, than another officer who's gone through that? So, so 19 years ago, before we had peer support, before we had any protocols on critical incident, there was an um, a, uh, officer involved shooting fatality in New Haven of an emotionally disturbed person. I got called. I met with those officers. They had a lot of reticence to meet with an EAP guy. Mm -hmm. 19 years ago, there were no protocols, right? And and I met with them, and my other partner met with the third. There were three officers involved. And a couple of weeks, maybe two or three weeks later, and you know the drill, if someone's involved in an officer-involved shooting, they're placed on administrative leave. Two of the three officers who are engaged in a fatal shooting Recontacted me and I had some sessions with them. It was approximately six months, eight months later, we had our first had our peer first. support training for the New Haven PD. I'm Italian. I get very emotional. When those two officers who were involved in that fatality came, I got all choked up because they were oh, yeah. now ready to share their experience with other officers. Mm-hmm. Since that, 18 years ago, when there have been other officer valve shootings and fatalities, even though many a couple of those guys are retired from the police department, I call them. They join me,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: And it is yep. it it very important for them to give their contact information. And we never meet with we follow the IACP protocols on officer valve shootings. On mm-hmm. um, the shooters who actually fired their weapon, we do not meet with them in a group. We meet with okay. them individually. So mm-hmm. part of what I did in that situation is not them only give them my information. I mm-hmm. gave them the name of the new Haven cop who 19 years ago shot, and killed someone. Mm-hmm. And it is, and I've heard from some of those officers who contact, it was so helpful to talk up that officer from new Haven. Oh, no yeah. You hear it knows, over
0: and over. You hear it over yeah. and over again, that, that, that weight, that burden, Uh, just lifts. And you know, you almost want to cry for them because you you think about how long they've been carrying that. As you know, I interviewed a couple a little while back and uh, he's decided to come forward with his story and his struggles with... Hey family, I am inviting you today to join me as a member of LET Unity. That is Law Enforcement Today Unity, where they are bridging the gap between civilians and civil servants. This site is amazing. It is being called the Netflix of the law enforcement community. Now, what do you get with membership? You get VIP service, which is events, promotions, and special services for members from America's most patriotic businesses. LET Unity gives back. They reinvest profits into telling the untold stories of emergency responders, vets and patriots across america and you get exclusive content episodes of some of the most patriotic content in america unique shows podcasts and more you'll get unlimited access to all stories and you'll be part of an amazing community today with my code blue family you'll save 10 percent on membership so join let unity today with uh, mental health and, uh, you know, based on all of the trauma that he had experienced in his uh, young life and then on the, on the job. And, um, he was just drowning in, um, his life basically, and his despair and his problems and his issues and all out of fear of seeking help because of what he thought the repercussions might be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he just talked about how that weight, like it just, it was, it became a balloon and just flew away. And, and, uh, that was what, um right. sparked his passion for getting his story out there. and and I, I think it's amazing that you're able to compile and collect these people that are willing and able to do this for uh, for uh, for others. It's so impactive.
1: It, it, it really is. I cannot say enough about the benefit of having a trained cop, firefighter become part of a peer support team to share their experiences. To normalize the effect, the, the, to normalize the sense that, okay, you have trouble sleeping, you're drinking, it doesn't mean you're losing your mind. I mean, I right. can say things, but what the hell do I know? I'm not a cop, I'm a mm-hmm. mental health professional. Have a brother, sister, officer, share those experiences and to normalize mm-hmm. the experience, you're not, not less of a cop if you talk to someone. That's right. the paradigmatic shift that we're seeing. Now, are there still obstacles out there? Of course there are. But it is absolutely changing. Do we need to do a much better job? Absolutely, we do. Do we need to to do a much better job to reach out to families? We absolutely do. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that.
0: It's you know, and I think what you said about what we're talking about with the peer support, i I think it's really important for law enforcement law enforcement spouses and partners to hear that as well because I think, and I see it a lot of times in our groups. I get you know, wives that will reach out to me and and ask me, you know how you know, how do I get him to talk? why won't he talk to me? um yes. what can I do and and all of those questions and and the truth is is that sometimes, you know, it, you have to let them talk to the people who live the experience because we can tell them, you know, all day and night that we think they're wonderful. They did the right thing uh, that we're there for them. We can tell them all that and show them all of that. But at the end of the day, you really do need someone in your life that can actually relate to your experiences. And and we as spouses need to be OK with that,
1: you know. Right. It is a tough one for the families. Let, let me give you another example, if I can. So you, you, you may recall the South Central Regional SWAT explosion on May 2nd. Uh, the regional SWAT team, uh, six departments, we had five of them in terms of the APs. Long story short, they responded to a domestic, a barn blew up. Literally eight or nine South Central Regional SWAT were blown 20, 30 feet in the air. W- we got called for that my partner went to the scene. I went to the emergency room at Yale because that's where the family was going to be gathering. Right. right. A couple of days after that, they set up a debriefing for the entire SWAT team at Quinnipiac. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current chief, Kevin Glenn, was head of the SWAT team at the time. He arranged that with us. From that meeting, we decided we need to do something for the families, because, again, you have eight or nine officers who were physically injured, well, possibly psychologically injured. So a week or two later, um, uh, then it was uh, he's now Chief uh, Kevin Glenn um, set up a meeting at a um, at a restaurant, a pizza place in North Haven. And and Mm -hmm. we had about 18 or 19 wives and or girlfriends there. Uh, And two of my colleagues, Dr. Kirshner, Dr. Legau, and I met with them. And and again, this is two weeks after some of their husbands' boyfriends may not be returning to the job. It was filled with things like, my husband is drinking more. What do I do? How can I help him? Another, Another wife said, my husband's an Iraqi war vet. He's been through IEDs and he's a he's not going to talk to anyone and mm-hmm. part of what we shared with them is and again you know this you can't force your husband partner or wife into treatment but you should use the Eap you mm-hmm. should schedule time and make use of that benefit how can you take care of yourself and mm-hmm. support your husband or partner or spouse during this difficult time right? right? So, in fact, it was funny, um, well, not funny, a, a year or two later, there was an incident in another police department where officers were under fire, an idiot firing multiple rounds. Fortunately, the cops who were under siege did not get hit. We had another family meeting. And 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 again, I don't know. I don't remember a lot of people because I'm old. My memory's shot. We had about seven, eight wives in this meeting, smaller department. And one of them immediately, she goes, "I recognize you." She goes, "You did. You did the family meeting." And I said, "Yes, we did." So it is important. We don't do enough of that. I'd be mm-hmm. really honest with you. And that's why when I talked to your husband and he said what you were doing, I said, "This is a wonderful vehicle." to get the information out there. I I don't care where your spread is and people across the country. I'd be shocked if there's Mm -hmm. any police departments that do not have an employee assistance program. Uh, Yeah,
0: I... I would think in this day and age, I would think that most, yeah, maybe you can't say all, but I would think that most do or at least have some type of access to this type of programming. Now, you, of course, uh, work only in Connecticut, right? You don't uh, go anywhere else. It pretty it pretty much.
1: Yeah, we're pretty much a Connecticut company. Now, we okay. have some of our not some of our civilian organizations have plants in different parts of the country. Uh, right. Okay. Factories. So we covered them. But, yes, you're correct. We're primarily.
0: OK, yep. OK. So, I, you know, so this is really this has been so great. So two two huge takeaways here. One is was that the services are accessible and available to families uh, as well as police officers. And uh, two, on the other side of that is that if there is anyone listening here in, of course, Connecticut, uh, or you would research it in your own area if you're not in Connecticut, um, but if this is something you feel like you could do and help others with your experiences, you can reach out and become a, a peer supporter. So that's um, two two awesome takeaways from this. I mean, there's it's all good takeaways. This has been fantastic. The information is, is just so valuable and so incredible. Um, and, and I just, I almost feel this sense of relief from anybody who might be listening and realizing that I can get help, it's going to be okay. And, you know, nothing bad is going to come of it. And, uh, and I think you made such a great point too, that the, what you're doing to, you know, self-medicate or self help right now, the excessive drinking, uh, the, you know, they, they tend to shut down and close down emotionally. Um, all of those things are more detrimental to your job and your home life than getting help would be. And that's such a huge, huge takeaway, I think. And I, and I really hope that, you know, I think we talked about maybe uh, via email, if this helps one person, I think you said that if this helps one person gets them to reach out and get the help that they need, um, it's, it's so, so worth it. Now as spouses, um, and this might be a little bit, maybe more complex, this could be like a whole other episode probably, but um, how do we as spouses and loved ones, how do we help and how do we recognize the signs of especially unhealthy stress? I mean, stress is stress. Stress exists. We live with right. stress. But, you know, of course, we're talking about the excessive stresses, the really sure. detrimental stuff. Sure. So kind of a two-parter. Um, how do we help and how do we recognize these things?
1: Sure. sure. So um, how you recognize. So that, that that's a broad one, but a couple of things. Any dramatic changes in someone's normal personality and behavior? Right. As a broad brush. So so I'm I'm your spouse and I'm usually very uh engaged with the family and talkative. And then all of a sudden I seem withdrawn. I'm not going to the kids' ball games. Again, that's a hundred and eighty degree change of my normal personality mm-hmm. and behavior. Something is going on with me, right? Could right. be work-related. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a combination of things. I sure. think some of the more other behavioral things are someone's drinking is increased, right? I used to go out right. with the boys twice a week. Now I'm going on five nights a week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having a sleep disturbance, right? right? I'm having difficulty sleeping. I, I mean, there are behavioral manifestations that something is going on, even though we're not quite sure what's going on. The challenge is, how does the family help that person? Okay, so one is talking about that, right? So the wife's right. saying to to the husband or the the partner or the wife, I've noticed that you're spending less time with the family. Everything okay? You want to talk? Um, Or the the issue around drinking, right? I mean, that's an obvious thing. You you know, if I burn out, I typically go out twice a week and now I'm going out four or five times, something's going on. You can reach out to me. Now, again, the challenge is going to be, and you already said that, if they close down, Mm -hmm. right, and they did experience a couple of bad calls, they're probably not going to share that with you, right? Right. So there's not much you can do except express your concerns to Mm -hmm. your loved one and say, I'm here if you ever want to talk, right? Right. Now, if the drinking is getting out of hand and you're concerned about it and your loved one isn't interested in talking to anyone, I would find out does the department have a police peer support team? Mm -hmm. Is there someone on that team who's tight with your husband or, or your partner? I would right. give them a break and say, hey, John, uh, you know, I'm worried about my husband, my partner, my wife. Mm-hmm. I think they're drinking more than usual. Have you noticed anything? And then see if that officer, that member of the peer team will talk to them.
0: Those right. are great suggestions. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think a lot of times, I think what happens is, They don't know when they should say something, you know, how long do I, yeah, I hear that a lot, you know, well, you know, this just happened. It's only been a week. It's been a couple of weeks. How long do I give him to, um, process this or move on from, or get over it? Am I waiting too long? You know, there's a, I I hear a lot of self-doubt and uncertainty as to the, when do I step in?
1: Right. And that's a tough one. Yeah. That really is. It depends on all sorts of factors, sure. right? But Absolutely. I think the most important thing is to communicate our concerns with our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Knowing full well, you can't force your wife, husband, partner into treatment, right? Right. But you certainly can express your concerns. There's also mm-hmm. comfort in numbers. Because I'm sure in, in your department, you're friends with a couple mm-hmm. of the wives and girlfriends right. and co-officers. Talk to them. Right. Are, have you gone through this with your partner, your husband, your wife? What? How did you get them to get help? That sort of thing.
0: That's actually been one of the few plus sides of social media. I I find that you know, for all of the negative social media has brought to us, um, it has opened up this whole world of you know for, for my world, for, for me and, and people like me in the law enforcement family, there's all these wives, you know police wives groups out there that you can be a part of and um, you know conversation and help and advice in, and just uh, relatability is literally just like a click away. So one of the the few upsides of social media, I think, so I, right. I do always encourage um, fellow right. LEOWs and partners to to right. seek out groups.
1: Right. The other thing is, in the context of your question, is those wives, girlfriends, husbands, spouses should know if their their partner's department has an EAP and call them. I, you know, I'm really worried about my wife. She's a cop. She's drinking more. Uh, let me call the EAP. Let me schedule a session for me mm-hmm. to get some insight. How can I convince my loved one to get help? And again right. even if, if if the officer he she doesn't think the drinking is a problem to mm-hmm. say to them why don't you and I both go I, i'm not an eap expert i'm not a substance abuse expert but i noticed you you seem to be drinking more do this right. for me let's go have a meeting it's free the the, mm-hmm. the eap model typically is three sessions convince your loved one to join their spouse Mm-hmm. to talk about the concerns that she sees that she thinks the drinking is out of hand that may help too so so related to this is a, a now chief but a, a woman who was head of a peer team in a big city many years ago said to me there's two things don't fuck with a cop's family or his or her money mm-hmm. is what she said Right. Mm -hmm. So there is. And although we've made tremendous progress, there's still this. I want to protect my family. So, again, after the George Floyd situation where Mm -hmm. um, the nation erupted and all the stress related to that defund the police, we heard anecdotally cops saying to their families, take the decals off the car. Don't make any reference uh, on Facebook that your husband wife dad is a cop. People Mm -hmm. are retrenching, right? Because they felt they were under assault. It was at that time that the police chief in Greenwich, Jim Heavey, his wife contacted us, was very concerned uh, about what's going on with the families. And I, I think I may have shared some information with you. So we put together what we thought would be a family support group Right. Mm, it had Dr. Right. Legale, Dr. Kersher, and myself. We scheduled the first one in the evening. We mm-hmm. mailed out an announcement to. At that time, it was maybe fifty-two police departments. Uh, it's free. It's in the evening. So, Mr. Chief, Miss Chief, get spread this out to your mm-hmm. the rank and file. Uh, we were excited about this. We thought we'd get right. a whole bunch of people. Our very first session, I think we had six or seven wives on the call. Now, okay, first Mm -hmm. time we did it, right? Um, And it was powerful because the women who were on it, because oftentimes we think I'm the only one struggling with this. And one of the benefits of groups is no, we Mm -hmm. all struggle with very similar things, right? So it was powerful, even though it was a small number of people. No Mm -hmm. big thing. Uh, We scheduled another one. Two weeks later, sent another announcement out and mm-hmm. my guess is, a couple of years ago, we have to covered you know a fifty-seven police departments. I don't know, two to three thousand cops. Mm-hmm. I would be my guess. I never really added how many uh, police officers in the various departments we work with. So we sent another one out. Two weeks later, we had four people sign in. Yeah. So at that point. We decided, and and, and 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 I felt terrible, I can't remember uh, Chief Heavey's wife, wonderful woman, she was going to continue it on her own. This is, this is how I processed that. Is it that our contacts, Chief, mm-hmm. whoever, didn't spread, didn't distribute that, or did they distribute it and the officer, he, she decided, I'm not going to share this with my family? I don't know the answer to
0: that. That's an excellent question. Yeah, that's a that's a hard uh, that's a hard one. It's so unfortunate because what a great opportunity and what a great resource. Yeah. And um I, I think you probably did touch on some of it. There probably is some some fear of well, what are they gonna say? If they right. get all together, what are they gonna say? Um because that is a thing. I'm not sure what
1: it is, but I mean when you hear again in those two smaller groups we had, um to have one police wife say that their child was disinvited from birthday parties and Mm -hmm. and you know you're talking about young kids who don't understand the larger uh uh, issues going on in our society but people retrenching people pulling back and Mm -hmm. feeling mistrustful and it's just it's sad yes
0: it really is. It's very sad. It it, it has the uh, the environment, the climate, the social climate uh, towards law enforcement. Uh, I would say it has changed many of us. It has made us very wary of non-law enforcement people. You know, I, I I'll I'll only speak for myself because I think that's the only person I should speak for, but... Uh- hey, family, this is for those of you new to the law enforcement family or just looking for some relatable content. My book, Welcome to the Family, Life Behind the Thin Blue Line, is available on Amazon and through my website, elsa.kurt.com, and most major online retailers. This is a must-read survival guide for significant others new to the law enforcement family, when you become a police spouse or a significant other, you enter a world most can't imagine. The contrast can be jarring and often scary, especially in today's society. This book helps those new to the lifestyle navigate the myriad of challenges faced by LEO partners, but also shares the many joys of living life behind the thin blue line. Inside this book, you'll discover the ups, the downs, the normal and not so normal coping strategies tips for fostering strong and healthy relationships and even the humorous side of law enforcement family life so pick up your copy of my amazon best-selling book welcome to the family life behind the thin blue line Today, Uh, I would say, yeah, I I do have some reserve when it comes to people that I don't know. And my guard is up. And when they do ask, you know, what does your husband do? You know, what do you do for a living? What does your husband do? And uh, there was a a very brief period of time, like you had mentioned, uh, our our law enforcement spouses were telling us take the decals off, don't mention it, don't talk about it. And uh, I did abide by that for a little while. And um, as you maybe could guess by now, I have a big mouth and I don't like being told that I can't say or do something because, uh, you know, it might hurt somebody's fragile feelings or it might make them angry. So, yeah, so that didn't last very long for me. And and that's when I actually became a, a more vocal law enforcement family advocate, um, because I, I'll be damned if you're going to tell me I can't vocally and loudly support people who are doing so much good in the world and um because you don't like them because you have these absolutely false uh perceptions of what goes on here right uh, yeah so my my mouth just got louder but that it it works both ways in in our in our world here there's ones that won't say anything won't say anything on social media and then there's the big mouths like me so it's it's changed us it's truly changed um yeah. How we live, how we look at people, how we do things. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's sad. The, the only... The only thing I would respectfully
1: disagree with you on mm-hmm. is when I do a police training and a, and a cop will say, everyone hates us. And my response mm-hmm. is, no, that is right. not true. It truly and you look at the studies and the research, the majority of people want law enforcement. What they don't want is bad law enforcement. And right. and if we're honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. there have been some bad shootings in this country. It mm-hmm. is what it is. But right. and I say this to my family and friends who know what I do. The majority, 98, 99% of the men and women I work with give a shit about what they do. There's no question. Are there bad cops who have some bad decisions? Yes, just like there's bad social workers, doctors, attorneys in any profession. But the majority of men and women who do this work deserve our support and respect. Last November, um, um, since I'm a post instructor, I was doing class for recruits in Bridgeport. Mm -hmm last November I mean this is the midst of all this craziness going on and honestly I walk into this room and there's 25 young you know bubbly-eyed kids becoming cops in Bridgeport and mm-hmm. part of me wanted to say to them what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> being on this profession now yeah. obviously I don't say that right because it is a noble profession, Yes. right? Yes. It's a stressful profession. And if you don't learn self-care, if you Mm -hmm. don't learn how to take care of yourself and by default taking care of your family, it's going to mess you up.
0: That's absolutely true. And you're absolutely right. The The majority of people, I do agree with you, the majority of people do respect the police, do appreciate the police. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunately that the loudest voices yes. are the ones that don't. And, yeah. and that's kind of my call to action for people to stand up Fight back and yes. um, and just tell them no, you're wrong. No, and right. and arm yourself. You know, my big thing is is numbers and facts. Know the data, know the facts, know the numbers, and um, you know all of your feelings. You know, I'm a facts over feelings girl. All of your feelings don't negate facts. So you can feel however you want, but the facts are are going to be what they are. And and yeah, and I, I think that's what we, you know, kind of have to fight against that, that negative stem and that perception and for for our law enforcement officers to like you said to remind them that you know the the world isn't against you uh right. there are people who are against you Absolutely. but the the majority are are with you and support you and you're so right you know i think the other misconception that the general public has is that just because we say we support police they automatically think that means that we support all police, bad police, good cops, bad cops—it doesn't matter. We just blindly support them. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Nobody hates a bad cop more than a good right. cop and a good cop's family. Right? You know, I, and, I say that uh, all the
1: time. The same yeah. thing. No one hates a bad cop more than a good cop. Yeah. Because it tarnishes the whole profession. It does. Right? It truly and does. Let's be real. The, the media. Don't get me started yeah. on the media. They'll you and focus me both. on the bad. They they'll get focused on the bad shooting, which does happen, right? But mm-hmm. they don't yep. do the story about the cops who are playing basketball with kids, the cops who are helping them all. I mean, all the other good stuff that cops right. do, because it doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. What right. sells is the Derek Chauvin horrible shooting. Right. That's yeah. what sells. And that's they what sells it and it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and let's see Bill Maher, who I love, um, always says this all the time. Americans mm-hmm. are stupid. Mm-hmm. Yes. We are. I, I don't yeah. mean you and I. I don't mean no, us. I, I mean everyone else.
0: Everyone because else.
1: People, yes. People don't educate themselves. Right. Really don't. They get. It's their so new... frustrating.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: It, it mm-hmm. really is. It really is. Yeah, the
0: ability to use logic and reason and critical thinking uh, seems. To have disappeared. Like they just take everything at face value. Uh, you know, now we're to, we're in a day and age where uh, a sound bite in, or a meme is your is the the gospel is is a fact we take just because a meme said so, uh, it must be true. And and people won't research, they won't take the time. And and literally most of the things that you hear or question. It'll take you about 15 minutes tops to research, you know, what's, what's the whole thing. It's like, there's there one side and the other side and the truth is somewhere in the middle. So you look for the middle critical thinking, (laughs) let's bring it back. I want to, I want a slogan that says, let's bring back critical thinking
1: (laughs) Or, or common sense.
0: Common sense would be nice. Doesn't,
1: doesn't exist. Just to jump back to the family stuff and the connections with the families. Mm-hmm. One of the good things that came out of the May 2nd SWAT explosion is all those wives uh, making a text uh, um, a link with each other.
0: Oh, that's terrific. Right?
1: Because there was so much misinformation when that May 2nd SWAT explosion Mm -hmm. idiots posting shit on facebook um one of the cops who i've gotten very close to is this huge muscular tattooed guy um Mm -hmm. um and someone called his wife now this was a friend saying Mm -hmm. they found an arm with tattoos on it was it your husband oh my god and so much misinformation within the first few hours Eight second slot explosion, they mm-hmm. started making the linkage text messages. When we met with them, at least 18 of them, two weeks later, they
0: kept mm-hmm. that up. Oh, uh, that's so nice. Those that's are amazing. the sort of
1: things should, should be going on in departments before yes. there's a major critical incident. The mm-hmm. wives, the girlfriends, the family should have some sort of linkage to support each other. I yes. think that's helpful to do as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, now, in your capacity, is that something, I, I don't know if you're even allowed to do that, because I know you said you can't specifically reach out to families, they kind of have to reach out to you. But is that something you can help facilitate with when you meet with these people? Or is it just simply a suggestion? Just hey, hey, you guys maybe want to set up this, um, you know, text chain where you guys can all keep in contact? Or can they do that through your services? Yeah, is that even an option?
1: So, so- so both could happen. So we would okay. encourage them to set that up. If they wanted to have a meeting with us, right? If maybe the concerns of this group was concerns about their children, right? Mm-hmm. Dealing with mommy being a cop or daddy being a cop. I'd bring in my partner, Mark Kirshner. He deals with adults and children. So mm-hmm. he can talk to that, with the family support group, if you will, of law enforcement okay. about parenting issues. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, again, going back to all my EAP contracts have training hours, mm-hmm. right? And if there was a need in a department, they wanted to set up a group um, for the wives and family members. And they wanted us to come in and talk about what are the signs of s- symptoms when I think my husband or wife's drinking is out of hand. We can do all sorts of educational top topics for family members, too. That's what fantastic. We, what we can't do is I can't ask your husband's department, give me a list of all the wives and husbands, and we'll reach out to them. That's not going to happen.
0: Okay, right? gotcha. Okay. But
1: what, but what we did to, with the New Haven Fire Department, mm-hmm. after the tragic instances of you know a uh, line of duty death, and another horrible situation the week before, I asked the chief if we can do a mailing, if we can write uh, an information sheet to go out to families and they agreed to do that. So basically what they did is put together a letter that the city of New Haven, Chief Austin, uh, had his staff send out to all the family members because we can't do that. First of all, I don't have everyone's address, it's confidential, but they did. And the letter basically said, um, you know the recent losses don't just affect your husband, wife, firefighter. affects the family. We're mm-hmm. here to remind you that these are services for you and your fam- your immediate family too. Right. Nice. So that's the sort of thing that a police department, a fire department could do, because again, terrific. to make sure everyone knows that these services. And I, I, I mean, doing this for so long. I, I, as I said before. I say all the time, your job's not just about you, right? Your job impacts your family. There's no two ways about it. It does. Uh, Our difficulty is, as I said, we can't reach out directly to you. A cop would be offended. I I mean, let's take a a fictional example, right? (laughs) Let's say I called you up. We don't know each other, but I know you're the wife of the lieutenant. And I call you and say, hey, you know, I just want to remind you that EAP is here for you and your family and stuff. What mm-hmm. do you think your react, your husband's reaction would be? And let's say he doesn't know me, but right, he comes sure. over and you say to him, hey, honey, I just want you to know, I got a call from the EAP guy for the department offering services. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you think he'd respond to that? Yeah, probably not too well. Yeah. Right? What's he calling you for? What's yeah. where he get your number from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Just keeping it real here. All of them are going to say the same thing. What's he calling you for? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yes. So I, yeah. I totally get your point. Yes. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> but, but your message
1: to your group, to right. family unity is it doesn't matter where they're living. What state right. they're in? There's mm-hmm. a good chance that their police department, especially if it's a big one, has yep. an EAP, and there's a better chance that they don't know it.
0: I agree. Right? You're absolutely right. I and speaking just you know from from my own lack of knowledge, I did not know that. So I would like to believe that I'm not the only one that wasn't aware of that. And it, it's such a valuable tool, as we said yeah. before, such a valuable resource. Um, so now if you are, so I'm kind of talking to the, the audience right now, if you are a Connecticut native, you live in Connecticut and you are part of the law enforcement or fire department family, and, um, you are looking for some assistance, maybe Jim could give us his, uh, contact info or how, how they can find you, Jim.
1: Sure. So uh, two things. So if there's a a, a Connecticut uh, first responder on this call, police fire, it doesn't matter. They can call our 800 number and ask, is my wife's, my husband's department, do you do the EAP for them? Right. So that number is 1-800-864-2742. And all they would need to do is, hey, you know, I'm the wife of a, a Stanford police officer, a Windsor Locks uh, police officer. Does your company do the EAP for my wife, my husband's department? We'll know that immediately. Perfect. My, Fantastic. I, I give my landline, if someone has a question they want to ask me, my landline is 203-288-3554 extension 18. Perfect. Outstanding. I'll put that when we
0: uh, when we put this on the air, we'll, I'll put the uh, numbers down at the bottom of the screen and, uh, put it in the show's notes as well. So anybody can access that and get that information. Uh, Jim, this has been fantastic. I can't thank you enough. Uh, you are, you have given so much valuable information to people today. And, um, I, I can't wait for this, this show to go live for everybody to see this. Cause, uh, I, I just appreciate you so much and appreciate what you do. Thank you.
1: Well, and I, let me reciprocate that. I think it's wonderful what you're trying to do to support the families of the men and women in blue because it is so necessary, and it's so necessary at this time in our in our lives with all the craziness going on out there. Right?
0: Absolutely, yep. We're we're gonna bring the uh, the peacefulness back one way or another. We're getting it back. We're taking it back.
1: <laughs> there, there you go. And Listen, and again, I apologize for the technical difficulties over no the last worries. week. But- we're here and we've done it. So anything further I can do, Elsa, just give me a holler.
0: I appreciate you. You were so worth the wait. Thank you very much. And we'll talk again soon. We'll definitely talk uh, off air after. We'll exchange some emails. I'd, I'd like to find some ways that uh, I can help you get your word out and get your mission out too for for people. So we'll see, see what we can do.
1: Happy to do so. And give my regards to your lesser half, because clearly <laughs> you're the better half.
0: I agree. I agree. (laughs) I just ruined (laughs) it by saying, I just ruined it by saying that. (laughs) Thank you very much. You take care and have a great rest of your your weekend. Have a great weekend. What am I saying?
1: I I will. (laughs) You do the same. Stay safe. Thank you.
0: Take care. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next time on Blue Family Unity with Elsa Kurt and remember United We Ride. The Blue Family Unity Show was created, written, and produced by Elsa Kurt. Music written and produced by Dan Tracy. If you would like to be a guest on the Blue Family Unity Show, contact Blue Family Unity at gmail.com.